Save a little more this month. Chime checking accounts have features like fee-free overdraft up to $200 with SpotMe and no monthly fees. Open your account in minutes at chime.com slash goals 24. Banking services debit card provided by Bancorp, Bank NA, or Stride Bank NA. Members of FDIC. SpotMe eligibility requirements and overdraft limits apply. Save big on brunch for mom. All in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson natural boneless chicken breasts for $2.49 a pound. All with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Coming to you live from downtown Detroit, this is Benzinga's Pre-Market Prep. With your host, Joel Conan. This is a volatile puppy here, isn't it? And Dennis Dick. I've bitten a penny. I will buy the stock for a penny. With everything you need to start your trading day. That's right, I think you have yourself a puppy. I think you pulled the Joel. I pulled a Joel. You, you know what? Me. We had to, though, because Joel's not here, so we had I to actually... I pulled a Joel. I apologize, folks. You okay. Just, you just we had to do that. My mouth moving and... We, uh, we were missing Joel, so we had so, to give you a little touch of Joel to start the week, because Joel's right. not going to be here this week, so we're giving you a touch of Joel to start the week. So very, start her over, Spencer. Very smooth, Spencer. <laughs> very smooth. Anyway, as I was saying, welcome to this Monday edition of Pre-Market Prep. Spencer Israel, Dennis Dick, Joel's out this week. Uh, so then not that that ex- uh, excuses my mute gaff there, but anyway, uh, moving right along, uh, our guest today, Tommy Lackey, he would join us at 835. He is, uh, the portfolio manager at Relativity Capital Advisors. In the meantime, S&Ps are up. What else is new? Oil is down, uh, nervous, I think heading into that OPEC meeting later in the week. Uh, gold still at those levels, uh, from, last seen what like eight or nine years ago and uh we'll talk about some m a we got some reopening trade we'll talk about disney we'll talk about adi they're buying maxim this morning we got some uh vaccine news as i mentioned and we'll take questions from our chat uh dennis uh it's not really a question of like what's up this morning it's just what's not up this morning right a few things not up but it's groundhog day i mean it's the same thing we've got multiple vaccine headlines driving the market overseas markets china um didn't do as great uh, overnight but it doesn't matter so you come in here pfizer's got some positive news you've got the same thing that happened last week it's positive vaccine news and just think about this like think about the scenario if you're bearish Mm -hmm. Uh, like overall like uh, shorting the market because eventually has to go down I mean, it continues to ignore rising cases. Deaths haven't been that bad yet. So maybe oh, yeah. that's, you know, a fundamental, you know, reason here why the market, you know, people who are trying to find, you know, the reason why, but it doesn't need a fundamental reason why. We rally every time. We rally 300 points every time we get positive vaccine news. And if we get a little bit of negative news for whatever reason, we sell off a little bit, but we buy it right back. So if we're going to rally every time we get a positive vaccine headline, it's like the trade deal. Remember the China trade deal for two years? China trade deal is coming out. Oh, we got a deal. We rally 300 points on the Dow. Oh, we don't have a deal. Oh, we sell off 100 points. Oh, we got a deal. We rally 300 points. Well, you can add up that math. So if you're going 300, up 300, down 100, up 300, down 100, and you do it 100 times, you go a hell of a lot higher. So this might be the same thing with the vaccine going for the next year. So oh, positive vaccine news, up 300. So we're probably going to get 50 headlines before we get a vaccine on positive headlines on vaccines. Yeah. And if the market decides wants to ride 300 points every time, 
this market's going to be a hell of a lot higher before we get a vaccine. All right. So to the two headlines this morning, uh, one probably bigger than the other. The first is the, the Pfizer uh, bio and tech uh, partnership. They announced that their uh, two of their vaccine candidates were granted fast track designation by the FDA. Uh, that's the big news. Uh, also, uh, Altimmune, ticker ALT, they announced that uh, they had re- received good preclinical results and they're moving ahead with a phase one study for their COVID vaccine candidate that'll uh, start in the fourth quarter, they think. So, did, did we not get positive Pfizer vaccine news a week ago? Is this the same? This is a different one, though. Uh, no, there was something else last yeah, week. Yeah, we ripped on it. The Pfizer, then we can see the gap up in Pfizer when it had when it gapped up. So going back to June the thirtieth, when we the stock was thirty two eighty eight and it ripped up to thirty four fifty four on July the first. So basically, what was the what was the headline on July first? Yeah, no, this the, is a different vaccine. No, no. So it's it's not. It's the same thing. So uh, on that day on July first, uh, Pfizer uh, and BioNTech announced that they had uh, received early. Uh, positive data from their ongoing phase one, uh, what I guess it's like a phase one slash phase two study uh, of their vaccine candidates. So the fact, so they announced good prelim data uh, a week or so ago, and now or a week and a half ago, and today they're announcing that they they got the FDA's fast track approval. Uh, so not approval, but designation. So it, it's 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 going down the pipes faster than it would have otherwise. So that's that's the the Pfizer slash BNTX uh, story. I'll pull up the chart here so you can see that, but uh, that's that's what we're talking about. So here. twice Pfizer. So in the last week, Pfizer gives a positive headline. Week later, that's rallied again. Another positive headline. It's yeah. it's again. It doesn't even matter. They just want to hear something positive about a vaccine. They're going to rip the hell out of the market. Yeah. So it's tough. It's a tough gig to be sure. Somebody's asking, are I still underweight my long term portfolio? Absolutely, I am. Um, I've been underweight my long term portfolio since three thirty spy. 320 spy i guess you know i could just put out the whole wrist back on and scalp 10 points and be done with it but and this was back from january but i'm not doing that i'm going to stay underweight in my long-term portfolio because i don't get it but as a trader i'm biased long i come in long you got to come in or you've got to come in on the overnight trading and you buy the dips so like i said um you know i obviously am a trader that's my source of income like some people have investments and they have a day job so I have investments, but I also have a day job. My day job is trading. Putting my trader hat on, it's very hard to be underweight. It's very hard to be short um, you know, in your, in your trading portfolio. It's very hard, not necessarily underweight, because I usually trade market neutral on my trading portfolio. So I shouldn't say I'm necessarily long, but I'm trading market neutral. But I'm biased to go. You know, on Friday, you know what I was buying in the morning? What you buying? I was buying coals. I was buying you know, like stocks like, like the airlines, like buying the junk. Why? Because... They, when you get positive vaccine news, those are the stocks that are going to rally the most. So those stocks suck on most days. They've been underperforming tech on most days. But on the days that you get, the morning you get the positive vaccine news, those stocks rally more than the others because they need it. Apple is fine. If the vaccine takes two years, Apple's not going anywhere. If the vaccine takes two years, American Airlines is going bankrupt probably. So that's why they're going to rally a lot more on positive vaccine trials. So as soon as you hear the news on and coming out, and this happens, it seems like at least once a week, maybe twice a week right now, positive vaccine news, the reopening stocks, the cruise lines, the airlines, all of those plays are going to be the ones that rally the most, at least on that headline. And that's what we saw on Friday. Yeah, those just, stocks were the strongest on Friday. 
it, it on Friday it was Gilead, so it, it wasn't a vaccine. It was because it was a therapy. therapy but right. okay, so therapy vaccine, obviously not the same thing. But both of those, that's what the reopening stocks want. They don't care. American Airlines doesn't care. Obviously, we get you know the bailouts they care about on an individual basis, but you know Fed action isn't as important as vaccine. Vaccine comes out. Everybody, if, if people actually take the vaccine, but you know, the, the market thinks they're going to take it because the market thinks that's positive. A, that's a everything. whole separate issue. <laughs> yeah, the market, well, yeah, I know it's a whole separate issue. It's a whole other can of worms because a lot of people aren't going to take it. But you know, the market doesn't think about that. It wants a vaccine and it thinks if vaccine comes out, all the airlines and everything is saved. And that might be the case. I don't know if a vaccine's coming out next week. That's why I'm not investing in these companies. I'm not going and putting American Airlines in my long-term portfolio and saying eventually it's going to be back to 50 bucks. Because I don't know the answer to that question. All I know is, as a trade, when I see positive vaccine headlines, those are the stocks I'm going to grab for a quick buck. I'm out of almost all of those. I've sold, you know, they, they rallied all day. So I held a little bit of coals overnight because um, I was like, I thought we might get some follow-through and I didn't mind the technicals. There was this huge $20 level on it but I'll probably sell it today. So I had a little bit of that overnight, but that's the way you've got to look at it. The tech stocks, on the other hand, seem to go up no matter what. I mean, the tech has just been ripping, ripping, ripping. Eventually there's going to be a wicked pullback, but the, you know what's going to happen is a pullback's going to get bought. Just like we saw last week, we had a wicked you know, down day where we were down 500 points that one day on the Dow. And what do they do? Less than 24 hours later, they buy it all the way back up. So Guilty until proven innocent for the shorts here, I'll say. And I'm going to continue to buy dips every time we get them because it works. I, I, I screwed up back on the first. I thought that maybe we were going to start to care about the cases. I made that whole, you know, I brought that, that, that presentation up and I thought, hey, this market is actually starting to care about the cases. And I was wrong. I said it was wrong last week. Market doesn't give a crap about the cases. We've got 70,000 cases. Florida's new cases. Disney opening. Didn't go well. Do they care? No, stock's up 1.5%. Like, talk about that Disney Open. That didn't go well. Doesn't matter. Yeah, I saw some videos over the weekend. It didn't, and I didn't get any numbers, but you did. it. The videos I saw, it did not look crowded, which I guess is an argument for going there because it looked pretty empty. Oh, yeah, it must be awesome. Not waiting, like, like my buddy Phil, who um, uh, is big-time Disney fan. He goes Disney World kids every year, loves all the rides. And yeah. he's like, that Avatar ride, he said typically takes four hours to get on and people were getting on in 10 minutes. So yeah. it's got to be like, you know, that's awesome from that perspective. And you know what? It's probably safer than, than right now with that few of people. So the numbers that I saw, and these are not verified, but there was a financial publication coming out. They estimated that approximately 8,000 people went to the Magic Kingdom on opening day, which was Saturday. Was it Saturday? Saturday. Yeah, that was the first day of opening. 8,000 people. The Magic Kingdom averages, here's some perspective for you. They average on an average normal day 57,000 people. Mm. So you're talking, I don't know if they capped it uh, and they didn't uh, sell more yeah. than 8,000, but I don't think they capped it at 8,000. So I don't even know if it's sold out and I'm not sure if that's verified or not. I'm just saying the number is 8,000 versus 57,000. That's a sign, you know, that's significantly a lot less than they would have expected. And the videos we were seeing, the place didn't look crowded at all. So you would think logically, oh man, nobody's going to Disney world. This reopening didn't go well. The stock would be down today, but it's not. You know why? Because this market doesn't care. This market doesn't care what's happening right now. The market thinks we're eventually getting a vaccine and we're all going to go back to our normal way of life. And Disney at $121, they think is a buy because eventually those parks are going to be packed again. I don't know if I believe that. That's why I'm not investing in Disney. But as a trade, how do you argue with it? The bloody thing keeps going up. 
That was not a good early opening. Doesn't matter. Um, WDW Christopher in the in the Benzinger Pro chat noting that uh, Disney is capping capacity at thirty percent. So okay, so. but thirty percent of fifty-seven thousand. My grade two math says that's significantly higher than eight thousand. So did they not sell out on the reopening day? Isn't there a lot of people? I would think at least for the first couple of weeks that it would be packed because there's probably people that have been itching to go. I'm like, oh, I want to go to Disney. And this, you're telling me the park's going to be at a third capacity? It's going to be awesome. I went to Disney World with my kids two years ago. I'll yep. tell you something. The Magic Kingdom sucked. <laughs> Why did it suck? Because we're sitting there. We, we're sitting there for an hour trying to get lunch. It is so packed. You didn't do it, right? You can't right. get on any rides. You absolutely have to do the fast passes, and you're getting all the crappy fast passes when you're trying to do that. I mean, I did the Dumbo, you know, and obviously my kids are young, so they don't mind the Dumbo elephant ears. But, you know, you can only do that so many times. There's absolutely no chance to get on the Avatar ride. There's no chance to get on half these rides because it's too packed. So, yeah, I mean, yeah, right so, now, so I almost feel like getting on a plane and going to take my kids to Disney because we could actually enjoy some of these rides we couldn't get on before <laughs> if I wasn't so scared of COVID. If you, right, if you weren't so scared. Uh, I'm no. too scared, though. I'm, I'm one of the people that's still tinfoil, my brother-in-law, tinfoil hat. I had the tinfoil hat. I had the tinfoil hat on January. You guys were listening to the show, and I was scared. Yeah. Yes, my brother were. says, oh, my, bro- my brother-in-law, he's, uh, he's got the tinfoil hat on. But he's like, you know, in, in March, he's like, texting me he's like where can i get one of those tinfoil hats <laughs> you got scared i'm still scared of the virus. i'm scared of the virus because i don't know i maybe it is just the flu maybe it is just the flu maybe it's not the flu i don't know i'm scared of the virus obviously i've talked about my kids um spencer's very asthmatic he struggles with the normal flu and that's why i'm scared of it but oh, there's a lot of people that aren't scared a lot of people aren't scared at all a lot of people think it's a hoax all right not a hoax let, uh, let's move is on. Is it as deadly as we originally thought? Maybe not. I don't know. Maybe yeah. not. The the, the uh, confirmed case count has been rising for a month now, and the death rate has not been rising in, in lockstep, which is very notable. So It is notable, for yeah. sure. Because we were riding, riding a 5 6% death rate, which we knew was high. We always knew it was high. Right, right. We know we can comfortably say it's more than the flu. Because New York has how, had how many deaths in New York City? I believe somebody calculated that 0.2% of the population died of COVID, which is crazy to think about. I, uh, I, I believe those total, are the numbers total, that I remember. Total deaths in the entire state. I, I can't get you the city. But okay, the, give me the state. Most of the, the deaths in New York were from the city or the, the area. It's 30, yeah. 32,000 people. Thirty. Okay, so 32,000 people, and, and most of them are probably from Manhattan. So yeah, say 30,000. And, and you got, what, 8 million, 10 million people there? Yeah. Uh, Call, uh, yeah, call it like 12. In any regard, it, it's, it's well above 0.1% actually. You know, so if you assume the entire population of New York City actually got COVID, which they sure. didn't, the death rate is still higher than the flu just from taking those numbers. So you know the death rate's above 0.1%. But again, as we learn more about the virus, they're going to learn to handle it better too. The therapies, you know, we've got remdesivir. Yeah. That's, that's helping. That's all the bull case. And, you know, I'm really giving the rant that, hey, if the market is going to continue to shrug everything off, I can't be short. I'm not going to come in here and put my shorting hat on and say, well, eventually this is all going to come home to roost because it might not. So I'm going to stay under invest my long-term portfolio for the simple reason that I'm comfortable having the amount of cash that I do there. I don't want to go all in here at 320. I should maybe, I should maybe just rebuy it all. I'd actually scalp because I sold the majority of my stocks that I, when I went, raised all the cash, we know if you're listening, you know, I'm not making it up. I sold it back in January because I was pissed off 
because I sold at like 326 buy and 328 buy and I bought puts. And then the market continued to go up for a month. And I was like, wow, that was a horrible call. And we went to 338 buy. So part of me just thinks maybe I should just reinvest and you know, be done with it. But I'm still sitting on probably 60% cash. It's a lot of cash. I would never, I'm always going to be 30% cash for the simple reason that I'm 45 years old. I went through 2008. I'm never going to go 100% all in on my long-term investment portfolio. The, the trading account, completely different story. Like I'm always using margin. I'm always on, you know, in my trading account. I'm always trading market neutral. I'm always using more money that's even in my trading account, but it's hedged. So I, 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 I'm, I've been ranting here for five minutes. I can't give you the answer on how this story ends. And that's why I, I, I stay under invest my long-term portfolio. But if you want to go all in here, I mean, that's up to you. I'm not well, going all in. Well, Dennis, we got a really good clue on Friday. What happened on Friday? Carnival reported, right? Yes. And of course, it was disastrous. But I'll pull up the chart here and you can see because they reported like right at the end of our show. So yep. we didn't get the chance to talk about it too much but obviously the bar was low and yeah. uh they may have even come below that bar not that it really matters because the expectations were disastrous and and the, the numbers were as bad or worse as you thought they would be the and market that- was very forgiving and that's a good thing for the bull case again because we saw the dhi and they weren't forgiving on it or no, it was no source kb homes we saw the kb homes earnings and they slammed on now, although it's come back but they were hitting some of the early um the early ones on disappointing earnings. They did not hit Carnival Cruise Lines on the disappointing numbers, and that's a good thing. So you're going to come into some horrible bank earnings tomorrow. How do they respond to them? That is the big question. If they turn around and they see the horrible earnings and say, look, but we see light at the end of the tunnel here, and they start buying them, then you start thinking, okay, maybe I should start you know, putting some of the cash back to work here uh, because they're going to start buying everything again. I mean, this market is very resilient. It has the Fed behind it, it has government money behind it. And now it's getting positive headlines from vaccine, it seems like at least once a week. So it's hard to be short. Do I want to be all in long? I don't know. I'm, I'm torn there. But I'm going to keep trading it, buy the dip and sell the rip. And obviously that's working in the trading account. All right. Uh, should we move on to some news from this morning? Because there is there are some movers here that we haven't gotten to yet. M and A merger Monday. Yeah, yeah, a bit of a merger Monday today. Uh, let's start with the big one here: Analog Devices ticker ADI is acquiring Maxim ticker MXIM. Uh, it's an all stock deal, Dennis. So you ready? Oh yay! I love that. Yeah. All right. Maxim, you know why I love that. Maxim shareholders will receive 0.63 ADI shares. For each share. 0.63 official deal 0.63 ADI so look at you know how bullish this market is though think about this okay well first I gotta go look at the market caps here because um, yep. the market caps matter when you're looking at M&A deals because what's the size was this a big pill for ADI to swallow or a little pill for ADI to swallow so ADI market cap bringing it up unless you have it in front of you Spencer I'm a little bit slow here this morning I got maximum I don't uh, hear it. Uh, well max- you give me the maximum market cap All right maximum is 16 bill ADI is 44 bill That's as 44 a- This is a big this is a big pill So in normal markets before covid last year before covid they were slamming any stock that was paying a significant premium for another company they were just tuning them up And look at ADI this morning it's trading just flat. So they're not tuning it up. Could it go down a little bit because of this? If, if this was last year, if this was 2019, 
ADI would probably be down seven or eight bucks. But this is 2020, and we have a lot of bad things happening in the world, but not a lot of bad things happening in the stock market. And for whatever reason, they're giving it a pass here to ADI. Like I said, normally this would be getting slammed on it because it's an all stock deal. The cash deals, they don't slam up. The risk herbs usually hit the acquirer on uh, uh, when, it, when it's getting acquired here. So you're slightly in the red here, but holding on fairly strong. Yeah, as I'm you not going to go. You say that, it went red. <laughs> it, it, well, I was some. Uh, and if you're hitting it, I just because I said it, I know I'm not. I'm, I'm giving the case that this isn't 1999, so I don't know. I have no position in this thing. I'm just saying, typically, when you have a stock getting being the acquirer for an all stock deal, and it's it's not like a little drop in the bucket, it's a significant portion of the market cap. The risk arbs typically hit the acquirer. So, like I said, if this is 1999, I think ADI would be down seven or eight bucks, but it's not. And you know what? If it goes down four or five bucks, there's so many buy the dippers in there, they'll probably buy it right back. I have no position. I don't even know if I intend on trading it. It's difficult markets to use all of your former, you know, statistical anomalies and to look at all your quantitative models and all of that because this market's a little bit different than other markets. This market just trades on FOMO constantly. So if ADI is to pull back, they're just going to buy the dip probably on it anyway. So, and now it's not even pulling back. So that, that's my analysis on ADI. Normal markets, ADI goes down. These aren't normal markets, so who the hell knows? And uh, Maxim, you can just look at the discount, the pricing in this Yeah, morning. it'll trade off with a slight discount. So you take 0 0.63 times the ADI price if you want to do that. I'm too lazy to bring up the calculator, but and I can't do that. I'm not as good as Joel, so I can't do 123.7 times 0.63 in my head. But if you want to quickly do it, you can. Uh, that'll 78, give you the, 12. What do you got for it? $78. So then you're looking at a four-point discount here for Maxim. So that's what you're looking at is risk carbs are putting a four-point discount on, for one, the time value of money, two, the risk that the deal, for whatever reason, doesn't get approved, and it goes back down. So it's actually a significant discount. That's typical, though, on these deals. Maybe there's going to be some antitrust issues. I'm not sure. But for whatever reason, the risk carbs are saying, we'll price it four bucks down. That's where it's at right now. Maybe the price is higher. But for the most part, now going forward, you'll see Maxim trade with that 0.63 ratio off of ADI. We got another SPAC deal again, uh, Dennis. SPAC is the These SPACs are hot, man. It's the trade of the summer. It's, it's way less capital. market's so SPAC-y. Think about it. If, if you want to IPO, uh, IPOing through the, the traditional route is, is expensive. You have to pay underwriters and you build a book and it takes time. Or you just do a reverse merger with the SPAC and the cool way to do it. Go public and like that. So that's the, that's the, what it just sounds cooler too. Yeah. That's what multi-plans doing this morning. They're a healthcare company. Uh, they are going public via a deal with CCXX. That's the ticker. So CCXX is going to become a um, multi-plan when the deal goes through, you can see the pre-market action there. They kind of spiked and are off the highs of the morning, but this is your stack of the day. CCX. We should do that segment. They're t talking. They want segments. Spack of the day. Well, there might not be one. <laughs> oh, no, <laughs> I know. I'm just like messing with you, but um, and these things go, man. When they get, you know, the it's something happening, like we know. And we've, you, do you want to tell them what a spack is? If we we've talked about them multiple sure. times. Some um, of the newer listeners SPAC, quickly define it. AKA a blank check company. Uh, spack stands for Special Purpose Acquisition Corp. The entire purpose of the company is to uh, IPO uh, as as a blank check, basically. And then within two years, usually, they have to acquire a company and they become that company. So if so you're- people are always trading these on rumors that, oh, it, we're, we're thinking, you know, that this is going to, you know, become this. I've been, I've bought LCA. It's a SPAC. 
because we already have confirmation that it's going to be gold nugget gaming. I like the idea of the online gaming going forward. I see the DraftKings valuation. I see the golden nugget valuation. I think, why can't that be higher? So I have LCA in my long-term portfolio, not a trade, stuck it in the long-term portfolio because I believe in the online gaming story. I've tried to play this in different ways. Like we talked last week before, yeah. I've been a believer in the online gaming for a while. And in a pandemic, I think online gaming is even more important. Maybe the pandemic goes away and everybody goes back to the casino. Maybe people start gaming online saying, hey, I don't have to leave my home and I can still gamble. So, and obviously this is play on sports betting as well. Um, so Houston, I keep saying Houston Rockets owner behind it. I think the valuation is cheap enough that I actually think this is a good investment. So I'm so, in LCA. Yeah. So a couple of bigger ones, if you are just new to the space, Virgin Galactic did this last year. They uh, went public uh, via a, a merger with uh, this company called Social Capital. They were a SPAC and then DraftKings did it a few months ago. There was a company called Diamond Eagle Acquisition. They yeah. were back and they bought DraftKings. Uh, so essentially the SPAC buys like buys the company and essentially just becomes the company. So uh, that's that's what's happening this morning with Churchill Cap. Uh, something else, this is not a SPAC, but it is your high flyer, one of your high flyers of the morning. What do you got for me? Uh, the ticker is SSSS. Okay, so might as well be four dollar signs at this point. It's zero capital. <laughs> this is your Barron's influence here. Barron's noted uh, over the weekend that this company has, I forget the number, I think 19% of uh, this company's assets are invested in Palantir, which is Peter Thiel's company. They've been rumored to IPO for years. They apparently filed a confidential S1 with the SEC last week or the week before. So it looks like Palantir could go public. Uh, finally, if that ever happens, that would be good for SSSS because uh, they have a stake, as I mentioned. So this is uh, this is up this morning on that news, that they have uh, that 19% of this company's assets, they invest in pre-IPO companies and 19% of their assets, I think that's the number, are invested in Palantir, which could or could not go public in the near future. You so, see these these uh, funds that you know own certain non-private companies sometimes spike because the private company is gonna become public or you know there's some holdings in there. I can remember uh, one, I can give you an example, and I had some of this and I've got burned in it, is firsthand technology value fund, SVVC. I believe, you know, when Funware was a thing, do you remember Funware, we were talking about this, like, you know, back in 2019, you can bring up the chart, PHUN, and it went from like $10 to like $500. Wow. Do you remember okay. that? PHUN, look at the chart and show the chart, Spencer. Whoa, that from was- From early 2019. Yeah, okay, here we go. And you saw SVVC, if you bring that one up too, um, during that period, it really popped up. You can see actually that it went from about $9 up to 14. That was a selling opportunity. Um, I think when you see these things popping, and again, you're in this crazy market that you know things just get hot and stay hot. But uh, this is something I don't want to invest in like um, because you know Peter Thiel's company might go public and they might have 19% interest. Yes, you know, we love Peter Thiel. Yes, you know, there, there's obviously some opportunities there, but I've seen, you know, this is on rumors. We've seen this stuff happen before. Could it continue to go higher? It absolutely could for a while. I think when the dust settles here, uh, I don't want to chase something up 22% on a Barron's rumor. I'm trying to remember, there was also one of these companies that had a 30% stake in, in Spotify. 
uh, and I'm, I cannot remember. I think there was the ticker had a G started with a G. If, if someone in the mm-hmm. chat remembers, but uh, there was a company that had that had a stake in Spotify. Spotify went public, and that was that was a trade. Basically, you could trade the company with Spotify as the IPO. But I I cannot remember what that company was called. It was a couple. I mean, I've traded these in the past too, like the Altaba, you know, like some that own the company, and the other ones. You know, once they're both listed, then you can easily trade both sides of it, and then you can you know figure that out. But when you got a private company and they own parts of it, it's difficult because you can't obviously trade the private company. So there's no doing arbitrage with it or anything. But obviously people are jumping in here speculating they're going to get a piece of Peter Thiel here. Um, and that's why it's up this morning. Could This is a thin stock. So, you know, could this continue to go higher? Yeah, this is very thin. It could continue to go lower here too. I don't know how the, I don't know the path of how this stock goes. I just know when I've, I've chased these things before. I've learned the hard way that it usually you lose money doing that. So could it go 13, 4? It could go anywhere. I don't know the path. I think when we look at this thing a year from now, I don't think it's up at 12. I think it's giving it back. But that's just my thoughts. Just my opinion. All right. We're going to be joined by our guest here in about five minutes, Tommy Lackey. He is the managing partner and portfolio manager at Relativity Capital Advisors. In between now and then, let's look at, or then and now, let's look at some stocks from the chat here. Yeah, let's do it. Um, Ticker time. I mean, Tesla, Dennis, I'm not sure what you can say about it. It doesn't need anything to go up. Doesn't need anything. Uh, not that there aren't headlines. There are, but the, the point is it doesn't really matter what the headlines are. They uh, increase production and they, they lower the prices of their Model Y, which I thought was notable, but I guess not seem to really care because you, know, you don't typically see stocks rally when they're having to lower their prices, but Tesla is not a typical stock. I was very tempted on Friday night to just go and buy Tesla, some Tesla, just for the overnight trade. Because <laughs> I was like, there's no, this thing over the weekend, people are going to see. So here's, you know, the, the Johnny come lately trade is people are going to, the people have day jobs, right? They don't see it. And they're going to be headlines over the weekend on Tesla. And, and obviously, you know, we know uh, Elon Musk now worth more than Warren Buffett. You're going to see multiple headlines on it and people are going to come in on Monday morning and want to buy Tesla. And I was thinking Friday night, I'm like, with that move, that 440 point move on Friday, there's probably going to be some wicked follow through Monday morning from the people who are just like chasing it. And I absolutely wanted to buy it. I could not bring myself to pay, you know, up though for it to take it overnight. And it was wrong. It was up 98 points. My one buddy at Bright Trading did buy it. And, you know, just, uh, and obviously he's trading, it's trading up 97 points. So um, good on him. I should have, I was literally very close to doing it uh, just for the overnight trade, like just to buy Tesla overnight, just thinking that's probably going to have some wicked follow through because of everybody talking about it over the weekend. And it would have been the call. I didn't do it because I didn't have the guts and I didn't have the stomach for it, but it would have been a good one. So congratulations to Long's here again. I don't know where the story ends. I don't know where, you know, you can't take valuation to it. Like I tweeted out a week and a half ago. When valuation doesn't matter, what do you, how do you value something? Dennis, you can't. So it's just trading on to... Momo, momentum, price, everything. I mean, you can sit here and crunch numbers all you want on it, but they don't care about earnings on this thing. They don't care. Like you were even talking about, you know, they were lowering the price of the one car. They just like, like the, which, which car? The one new one. Yeah, the Model Y. What do they do over the? They they lower the price. Yeah, they lower the price. Is that good? Uh, you know when they're lowering the price, what that tells me? It's not selling. <laughs> Doesn't matter because you know what? If Tesla misses the numbers, they'll find the silver lining. You know, it'll or if it sells off a little bit, everybody'll come in and buy the dip again. It's it's just complete. You know, FOMO. It's just gone. 
So I don't know where the party ends here, but do I want to be shorted? Hell no. Page number one in my, in my book, if I ever write it, it's going to say, don't short stocks, make a new all-time highs. That's like just golden rule. You know, they say the golden rule of this, golden rule of that. I'm going to say golden rule of trading, don't short stocks making new all-time highs because the momentum can continue for a hell of a long time. And everybody who thought Tesla was stupid at 1,000, it's now 1,600. It's went up 60% in eight trading sessions. Can it go to 2,000? It could go to 3,000. It could go to 5,000. It could go back to 500 if the story cools off. This is a hot story that is hot as hell right now. I don't want to short any hot story. And you can take whatever math you want, whatever fundamental analysis you want to try to come up with a short thesis. Even talking, you know, that they're lowering the price of their cars. Not good fundamentally, but it doesn't matter if the story stays hot. People believe in electric. They are absolutely the leader in electric cars. That story is real. That story is not going away. And people like to buy the leaders. And I just remember everybody talking how stupid Amazon was when it was $300 a share. And, you know, here's a company trading 100 times earnings. Doesn't make any sense at all. And now Amazon is 3000 a share. So it's tough to just say that this is going down. There's been a lot of huge hedge fund managers that have been short Tesla and lost a lot of money. I believe, wasn't it Einhorn back when the stock was about 300 bucks? And he threw in the towel, I believe. But uh, wasn't it? Did he didn't he say at the one, was it Einhorn? I, I don't want to, David, I, if you're listening, I'm I not sure. He, if I thought here. he was still short. Anyway, anyways, he came out when it was $300. He said, if you short stocks, I believe it was Einhorn. This was on $300. If you short stocks, how can you not be short Tesla? You know why? Because valuation doesn't matter. It's a story. Don't short hot stories. David, if you're listening, and I believe, is he still short it? I think so. I, I don't think he's listening. I hope he's not still short. I hope he threw in the towel. I, I don't know. The is still 20% short. So there's some people who are how short about this? out here. How about this? Uh, if he did... Uh, uh, exit his short. We'll know in in a little bit here because his thirteen uh, F days is not too far off. If anybody knows, was he? Yeah, but I don't know if he. This was over a year and a half ago, so I'm not sure. Maybe he threw in the towel a long time ago. Uh, I no, hope he no, did. No, no, I don't think he did. I I think as of the end of uh, as of the last thirteen F day, I think he was still short. So, um, or as of the end of the the, the uh, I guess the first quarter. So I I could be wrong, but I think he's still short. Uh, wow. I'll just say. Elon Musk is, you know, possibly one of the smartest people that, you know, this world has seen in a long time. So, you know, the brains behind him and Tommy Lackey is going to come on here in the next few minutes. Maybe we should bring Tommy, can we bring him in right now into this conversation? Because he's in the chat and he's talking about, you know, what Elon Musk does. I don't want to be short Elon Musk either. So there's a lot of reasons not to be short Tesla. The only reason to be short Tesla is the valuation's insane. But we know hot stories don't care about valuation. If you throw away the E and you don't care about the E, how do you get the P? In so, P, yeah, you need that E. Price earnings. So I'm not going to be short Tesla because the momentum is just crazy. This thing, I can easily see this thing. Why, why can't it? It just went from 1,000 to 1,600. Could it go to 2,000 in a week? It could. I don't know if it's going to. And they're going to pull the rug out from under it one of these days. They pulled the rug out from under it. I did play it short and I you know, got that little trade off of it. But it's hard. It's hard to short rocket ships. Hard making money short in rocket ships. Tommy Lackey, let's bring you in. They're sick of hearing me talk. Talk. We need Tommy to talk for 15 minutes here so I can shut up. Tommy, how are you? All right, guys. How are you guys doing today? What's going on, buddy? 
A little bit of everything. Seems like a lot in y'all's space. You guys are excited every morning, it seems. There's always something. Well, usually Joel can talk a bit, but, you know, with Joel gone, now I'm doing more talking than ever. So everybody's getting sick of hearing my voice. So we gotta I bring try the to butt in, voice. but it's like I can only butt in. Just so I'm round, wound up. <laughs> Tommy <laughs> Lackey, how are you doing it. this morning? Doing great. Doing great. Just how are you uh, these markets? happy to be here and uh, enjoy coming on with you guys. And, I mean, the markets to me are – I mean, I've listened to you guys a lot in the last month, but it's really a testament of where we've come off these lows. And honestly, trend followers, however you may define that, have finally started really winning the game for a little while here, at least short term. And it's really a scenario of, and I put it in the chat a minute ago, something I've talked about for years, is I always try to look once I enter something and look for milestones that I can reassess instead of hard targets. And that's something I've preached a lot about since the bottom is that basically just think of where we would be on a lot of these stocks if that very first hard target we set off the lows was our exit and we never got back in. It's tough, like, and I and my long-term portfolio, I'm still sitting with a lot of cash. There's a lot of people sitting with a lot of cash. And, and it is, and this was a really tough one to jump on, but on the other end of it, again, it comes back to, it's interesting, you hear so much about all these traders that want to trade, yet when they get that opportunity, the fear outweighs their knowledge, I guess, that they know they can be nimble. You know, Dennis, you're, you're doing that in your long-term account, but your trading account, you're still very active. Yeah. I feel sorry for the people who actually got out and didn't get back in. And they are, they're pretty prevalent out there. Or they well, might've got in for that first two or 3% and then they were done. Well, that's why every, every, you know, dip that we get, people are scrambling to get back in because there's a lot of money managers that are probably underinvested here as well. We know there's a lot of cash. Absolutely. And with the amount of printed, printed money from the Fed, there's even more cash out there. This money wants to find a home. And what do you do? You throw your money in the you know 10 year here and get 1% or do you jump over or less than that? Um, or where else do you go with money? Well, again, I think it goes back to how you get your data and how you do your research. I think we are finally getting back to that point you know, Robin Hood traders aside, that the people who are really willing to get in and dig in and do the deep research are still finding these opportunities and they're still out there every day. I had some wonderful setups going in this week, both in ETFs and stocks and coming all the way down from the macro level down to themes. Now, I do it a little differently because I start with a very macro view in the ETF world. And then I start working my way all the way down to the little niche theme. So to me, it gives a wonderful view of exactly what's going on, where money's flowing, both breadth and relative strength. But if you're an individual who just does individual stocks, then just make sure you're staying really well on top of your scans and you're still doing them every single night, even if you don't have any room to buy anything else. It goes back to really keeping your feel on the market. What, what, what are you looking at? You started, you say with the macro view to start. So where are you looking? What sectors, what ETFs are you looking to start? And then maybe we can break well, down. Well, here, tell me, here, tell me, I'll pull up your relative strength scan that you sent over your ETF. Yeah, uh, let's okay. do that. Pull so, up one of the ones I sent. And while you're pulling it up, I'll go ahead and talk is that I start basically with world and with world ETFs and I rank them versus each other. And then I do an inner market, which has stocks, bonds, commodities, the dollar, all of that. John Murphy's inner market analysis type stuff 
and I rank them versus each other. And then I rank value and growth versus each other. And then I start getting down into sectors. So I already know whether we're top in the world or not, whether equities are top in the intermarket view or not. And then we get into the idea of whether growth is leading value or not. And from there, we can start breaking into sectors. Now, what you're seeing right here is this is a group. And now let me say my relative strength real quick for those who don't follow me. My relative strength, that RSUC there is my own calculation. It is a three-month front-weighted calculation, okay? So it's a very fast relative strength calculation. So this is designed to help me get turns, help me find things when they're starting to turn. It's especially great when we have really bad markets and you start to see things start to move up this list. It shows that they're starting to outperform and the list is versus everything else that's on the list you're seeing. So this one you're looking at, this is the top 25 relative strength in a list of 120 curated sector ETFs that I follow. It covers all sectors. In every sector, it has one small cap, one equal weight, one cap weighted for the sector, and then all the major niche players like gaming, oil services, all the niche players in each sector as well. And then that's 115 ETFs that I rank it in my ranking. So here are your top ones. And the bottom line is internet has dominated for almost three or four weeks. I mean, dominated whether it be social, SOCL, whether it be that iBuy, which is internet online retail, all of those types of things has really been your dominant factors um, in the market. And that has not changed. So there's no real reason to move away. Now, if you're one of the individuals who doesn't want to do ETFs and wants to do individual stocks, you can take this scan and just go to ETF.com, put in the ticker, and it's going to give you a list of the top 10 holdings in whichever ETF you put in. So then you can go all the way down. But I like using this because like I have an ETF that's specifically on 5G, an ETF that's specifically on robotics, and one that's specifically on um, gaming as far as gambling type casinos. And by basically ranking those things against each other, it allows us to see pretty much every day where money is flowing in and out based on a pure price derivative. It's not a big, it's not a, some other indicator. It's a derivative specifically of price ranked against whatever securities I decide to put in that batch at that moment. So it gives really clean views. So of this list, I see a lot of tech. I see a couple of commodities, but one sticks out to me that doesn't seem like it really fits. And that's ITB, the iShares US Home Construction ETF. I guess of the, stock, of the ETFs on this list, this one's not at new all-time highs but it oh, but it's been strong as can be during the downturn and that's again remember this is a three month relative strength this also shows if you think of three months this is going to show who's performed the best off the bottom now is it at all-time highs no but from the stance of comparing it return wise and all that and how hard it's come off the bottom it's been one of the stronger players because it did drop so hard because everybody felt housing yeah. would be dead yeah. it did not die and again, that's the key here. It's not about all-time highs. It's not about that. This is about alerting me to charts to look at. And I love this chart right now. It's very tight. It's, uh, I mean, it loosened up earlier, but it does not want to give up, even with, again, the fear of people not paying rents and the whole mortgage situation and all that. It's not given any room at all. And then if you dig down into some of the housing companies like Beezer Homes and some of those, you got some really nice looking charts in there. 
let's go to the opposite end here. Let's look at some maybe some ETFs that uh, are have really weak relative strength, and I'll pull that up here in a second. Uh, some maybe some some funds you want to have on your radar from the short side, or just stay away from the long side. Is well, there anything that's you, been weak? <laughs> well, one good example here is seeing how much energy is already showing up on this list again. Right. Um, and you're starting to see a lot of that. And oh, then wow. the banks are still down there. But I, I, I pay attention to the energy specifically because it came so hard off the lows. So the fact that it's already, because it went up into the 90s about a month ago in relevant strength off the lows, but it's already back down to the bottom of the list. That tells me that you had it. That was more of a dead cat bounce type situation. Um, and so you'd be, I would be watching it for continue to roll over. Um, of course, you have Jets in here and some of these other players. I'll tell you one of the interesting things to watch here is, and I'm not ready to, to get excited about it, but notice the banks down at the bottom, the regional banks and all that, are still at the bottom of the list, even after having 5% days on Friday. Um, I will take note of that. It doesn't mean I want it for a long term. But again, if you jump in and start looking at some of those charts, the way they've pulled back, the RSI has gone on the daily. It went to a bull range and it pulled back right to 40 and it found some support there. I would say that we could very likely see some strong financials here for a few days to a week to bounce out of this based on what I'm seeing on the charts after seeing it at the bottom of the list. So even though it's big weakness on this list, again, a three month relative strength, you still sometimes, sometimes can find your pullback plays or find you some good support. This just draws my eyes to what's moving. So two questions. One is obviously we see two different lists here and I can very much see the themes here is technology driving the bus on the relative strength and the Rio, these a lot of reopening plays that have actually been very weak. Um, you know, despite mm -hmm. their wicked rallies, you know, that we, we talked about in early June, they've, a lot of those have given it back. Are you looking at this from a contrarian perspective when you're coming as well, an investor see, or as a know, momentum those, trader? Those are your top and bottom. Those are kind of the scenario. This is your best and worst. I send a couple other lists that are shorter that are called RS gainers and RS losers that basically are the ones to where I see the, the relative strength points move more than 20 points over a five-day period, up or down. Those are the ones I like to look at more from an entry or exit or pullback type standpoint a lot of times because they're the ones that are really standing out from the crowd. You know, it's like, okay, this is very different. Some, something's not like the others. This is very different than what everything else is happening. So let's go to those charts. Sometimes the charts are too extended, but a lot of times it gives you a nice little uh, initiation type phase in those charts. Um, the one y'all have there, um, the RS gainers. Uh, let me see if I can grab it real quick so I can make sure I know which one. Uh, this is the one with uh, rare earth, a bunch of energy on here, food, some food and beverage. Is that what we're talking about? I'll pull it up. Um, I believe so. It's basically the one that on the on the right side of it, it has a lot of light green 20s. Yeah, okay, I got you. Here we go. Um, and that gives you an example of this is the RS gainers list that he's going to pull up here. This gives us an example again of basically these are some of the things that are moving right now. And like fan is your, uh, not solar, but your uh, uh, wind energy, coal, uh, the one of the pot ETFs and you got a couple staples down here. Now, again, these lists don't tend to get very long because you have to move a lot of, that's a lot of points, 20 points or 25 points is a big move in five days. 
So it's something that just kind of notes me to them. And then I can go back and look at the rest of the criteria and see if it's acting the way I want it to. Um, but with those, I'll do that. And then, but considering as well, the losers list, which is the next one, it basically is when they pull back as well. Again, you can't, Dennis, you can't take it as a pure thing and say, okay, these are pulling back. So that means they're losers or these are losers. So that means they're, they're bad. You've got it. It just alerts you to the chart and says, okay, let's go to this chart and see what might be cooking. We're live with Tommy Lackey. He is a managing partner and portfolio manager at Relativity Capital Advisors, sharing with us uh, his scans that he uses to look at the market and uh, sort of have a top-down view and look at ETFs and, and determine which things are hot, which things are not. Uh, Tommy, uh, just real quick before I let you go, uh, how much will uh, earnings – earnings season, like we're, we're getting banks tomorrow and Wednesday and for a few days here, how much will earnings like affect the standing of like the bank ETFs on, on your scans? Like how much of a effect um, do they have? Again, I think we got to go, I think this earnings is one that you, you'd be kind of silly to go in and try to project how we're going to react to them. Um, this is the one where we're really going to start getting the numbers from how people are kind of settling into this new normal and their earnings and all that. How will it affect banking and those things? I mean, I think, again, those are going to be some tough earnings, but on the other end of it, I would be, would not be surprised if we saw finances jump anyway, just because of the technical structure. Now, one thing I've heard y'all talk a lot about, and I want to mention here, and I'm going to divert this a little bit, Spencer, I apologize, but y'all talked a lot about Brett being weak over the last recent, I've heard some of that in the morning and financials not participating and all that. Um, we've got to really be clear about this is that financials are now only 13% of the market weight out there. Um, and, but yet there's still almost 900 and something companies. Okay. So think about that, how much that's going to affect market breadth without actually affecting market price as much as it used to. And yes, they're still important to be somewhat as part of the game, but you've really got to focus on the fact that they are not going to be a market driver anytime real soon. And they can be something that will temper the breadth numbers that I run and all that. And you have to take that into account. When 13% of the whole market cap is not performing, you can't say the markets are, you know, not doing well. You can't put that there, yeah. but because there are so many small financials out there that are still considered listed companies, they tend to outweigh Brett a lot more than most other sectors. All right, we've been on with Tommy Lackey. As I mentioned, he is the managing partner and portfolio manager at Relativity Capital Advisors. Tommy, as always, thanks for the time. Thanks for the scans and stay safe. Thanks, guys. Y'all have a great week. All Good right, luck, Let's go to some stocks in the chat here. A lot of people asking us about workhorse, so we'll do that one. There was a couple of headlines this morning. Uh, first, they caught a, they caught an analyst uh, a price target uh, raise from uh, Roth, but more importantly, they received a designation uh, from the California Air Resources Board. Uh, they received uh, uh, the uh, all electric delivery trucks, their C series basically, was awarded the designation that allows them, I guess, uh, to uh, to to produce to to make cars. And uh, I guess I'm reading through the PR right now, but it's a seems significant based on the price action. Is all I'll say. <laughs> really torn on this one. Obviously, I played it. 
thanks to Mitch, a, a long ways. I sold the rest, last of my stock up at 21, I think, 21.15 on that big red candle day because I felt like the story had cool, was going to cool off and it did. I knock it back in. What I will say from a technical basis, you did not breach the low. So on Friday, we held the low of the move, the 14.11 um, back from the July 7th, which is critical to hold. That's the line in the sand below 14. The stock would be in trouble. It's good that it gets a headline. It's bouncing out of here. Could the story get hot again? It could. Um, interested. I'll say I'm interested. I'm not probably chasing it up $3. But again, sometimes these things just go and you miss them. And I mean, you can't, when you don't chase, you can't worry about the ones you miss. Sometimes you're going to miss them. Sometimes, you know, the train keeps rolling down the tracks. We talked about entries on Friday um, in a segment. Um, sometimes you're going to miss them when you don't chase. But I'm more comfortable that I don't want to get into a situation where, you know, I get chased and then fall under the tracks. So I'm interested on a pullback. Again, if I was buying it here at 1780, I really can't stop myself out until 14 because that's the low of the move. Okay. So, and I don't really want to risk three and a half bucks. So I think if I got this down, it's the lower 16s, I could manage that risk better and maybe I'd be interested in it, but it's on my watch list right now. So if you're in it, I would stop myself up below 14. I'm not in it. I'm not going to buy it here up at 1774, but uh, I'm, I'm interested. So I'm not saying it's a sell either. <laughs> All right. I sort of butchered that headline, but the bottom line is this designation allows them to um, sell, sell vehicles in all 50 states. So that's the bottom line from the uh, PR this morning. Okay. Uh, more tickers from the chat here. Uh, someone asked us a while ago about uh, Sherwin-Williams. So we'll look at that one. SHW. I have not looked at this chart. I have no idea what it says, but we were asked cool. about it in the chat. So let's pull it up and take a look. I mean, breakouts have been working. This level is so big on Sherwin-Williams. And to go back and look at the monthlies, and if we go back to November of 2019, you'll see a high of $597. And then you'll look at $599 back in January of this year and $598 a week later. And then you look recently, and it did try to take it out at 603, but then it sold off and failed again. The $600 level is absolute huge resistance for this stock. It remains resistance, been resistance for a year. Resistance is resistance until it's broken. If this thing ever starts trading 605 to 610, then it would be in breakout mode. And breakouts have been working. This has been a market that sometimes breakouts, and in some of these cases, breakouts have started to work again. They haven't been working for the last year and a half because spies just chopped around a lot. But they're starting to work again. So I would get interested in this if it broke out through the 605 and that all-time high, which I believe is 603 through 36. So it starts going above 605. I'm interested, but I'm not going to buy it anticipating the breakout, although it might, uh, because it's failed here multiple times before. Uh, I got tickers flying at me in all three chats, so I'm going to do my best to get to as many of them as we can. Uh, Mitch, Mitch has asked us actually for a while now to talk, to look at uh, Overstock, OSCK, and I keep forgetting to bring what it up. Run. Sorry, Mitch, but we'll do that now. Uh, Overstock is just a beast. It's just a beast. It's in beast mode. It was a stock that everybody had for debt, including myself. Um, when yeah. this got down to $2, I thought the story was over, and obviously it wasn't. Um, we know that crypto is a, a little bit of a crypto play here as well. Yeah. I, I don't know if that's been the driver for the recent rally, though, because you think about Bitcoin, it hasn't really gone anywhere. So usually, you know, when you were looking at overstock a year and a half ago, you're thinking, oh, Bitcoin's up, overstock goes up. But and where is Bitcoin? Is it, were we over 10,000 yet, or we still haven't even got there? We are at 9,375. So, no. 
we're still kind of the same spot. So Overstock's just running its own ship here right now, and it's been in beast mode here. I'm again, I'm not chasing it. It's just been running and running and running. But you know, if you're in it, trail up your stops there. Trend is your friend. Trend is absolutely still higher. I don't know where the ship stops, but wow, it's been an impressive move. Yeah. All right. Uh, moving on here, I'll get to uh, a few more. Let's see if I can look at. All right. So here's here's an interesting thought. I'll, I'll read this to you, Dennis. This is from the Benzinger Pro Chat. Uh, according to uh, user B Money here, okay, there is a national. This is what he says. There's a national coin shortage in the U.S. right now. The shortage is getting bad enough that several businesses are beginning to ask for exact change at checkout. Could this create increased demand for metals like copper and nickel to provide a catalyst for stocks like VALE? I, I haven't heard about this, but I'm interested. I'll just do a technical. VALE you want to look at? Yeah, LA. I'll just I'll just do the technical on it again. It's an ADR, so obviously this trades. I believe this, is this uh, South America, uh, Brazil. Yeah, so South America. So um, trades along, you know, in similar time to our markets here, um, because obviously when we look at European stocks, they're trading five hours before us. This is not the case because it's trading uh, down beneath us, down south. Um, I, I, again, above in all those highs, you got eleven thirty two, eleven thirty, eleven twenty six, eleven twenty eight. That's your major resistance point, just above $11. What does it do there? Does it get up there and fail again? Um, you're kind of in the middle of nowhere until you can start getting above those highs. So I say from a technical basis here, I don't follow the headline. I'm not going to comment on the headlines. I'm not going to comment you know, on any fundamental thesis. I don't follow the company close enough from a fundamental basis here. I'll just say above 1130, it could be in breakout mode. Until it gets above that, I'm not interested. Um, and also, they had that that mine disaster last year that I'm probably they're probably not not done with yet in terms of uh, litigation. So I'll keep that on your radar for anyone trading uh, VALE. What about Fastenal here? This one is off the highs finally. Yeah. So uh, there may be some levels of note in Fastenal. Just been an unbelievable stock, a stock that I've always wanted to have in my long-term portfolio and I've never put it in there. Nuts and bolts of the market, I joke, because obviously this is the nuts and bolts of the construction industry. Um, it's trending up. It's pulled back. I think eventually, if the market continues higher, Fastenal does too. Uh, it's a bit of a reopening play. It's a play on construction, but we know there's still lots of construction going on here. Fastenal's been an unbelievable performer. If I was long it, I would want to stop out below $40, but trend is absolutely still your friend in Fastenal. All right. Everyone keeps asking about Wayfair. We'll do it. This is a ridiculous headline here from over the weekend. They're the subject of a of a insane conspiracy theory uh, post on Reddit, which if you are passingly familiar with Reddit, you know it's a place for, I mean, I'm on Reddit and it's a place for, for crazy uh, things and people, uh, myself included. Uh, so they're the subject of this ridiculous conspiracy. The stock is down this morning though. So I can't believe it's actually having an effect on the stock, but yet here we are. Um, this to me would seem like a, a buying opportunity in Wayfair. Yeah, on a normal stock, but it's just the stock has run so far. It was $21 three months ago. It's 220 It's up a 1,000% yeah. in three months. It's been such a mover. Trend, absolutely your friend. Buying the dip on stocks and uptrend seems to work. If you are inclined to come in here and buy the dip, people have already been inclined to buy the dip because it was a lot lower than this this morning. How low do we get to in the pre-market, Spencer? Do you have that information oh, in front of you? Uh, yes, let me get it for you. We got show to, the interest, show uh, the overnight chart. Be to a able to low of two, uh, 200, um, 
where am I? Sorry. Um, I'll... It's just going to show that. Uh, 215. 215 is the pre-market low. Okay. So if you're buying it, know that the pre-market low was 215. You start to get through there. Then it starts to get slippery. But this trend is still up. Above $200, bulls are still in control. Yeah. Buying at 220, you got to give yourself down to at least those lows, those three little lows that we had a week and a half ago, 193.69. That's you know 15% lower. Um, I don't want to lose that much. So that's why I'm not chasing it up here. I mean, you can you could also use the recent lows and know it's kind of like the Tesla example, but you know we were trading below that this morning. Yeah. Let's see if they shrug this headline off. The start starts stock starts breaking out and we start making new highs. If it does, it gets through that 231. Then I would stop myself out at the recent lows. It's like four or five lows here at 218. So you do have a little some support at 218. All right. Uh, I tried to cover as many questions or tickers as I could. I apologize. I uh, can't always get to all of them, but that's why we have another show tomorrow. So I'll wrap it up here. I want to thank our guest, Tommy Lackey. Thanks to all of you in our chats, all three of them. There's a chat on YouTube. There's a chat on Benzinga.com slash uh, prep, And there's also the chat on Benzinga Pro. We appreciate you. All of you, please like our video, like our channel, subscribe to our channel. That helps us a lot, a lot with the uh, mysterious YouTube algorithm that runs our life. So we appreciate that. You can always send us an email for any feedback, good or bad. We appreciate it. Premarket at Benzinga.com is the email to do that. And uh, please remember that all the information from our show is meant to be used as informational purposes, not for investing or trading advice. Everyone have a great rest of your Monday. We'll be back tomorrow morning. In the meantime, stay safe and good luck. Save a little more this month. Chime checking accounts have features like fee-free overdraft up to $200 with SpotMe and no monthly fees. Open your account in minutes at chime.com slash goals24. Banking services and debit card provided by the Bancorp Bank N.A. or Stride Bank N.A. members FDIC. SpotMe eligibility requirements and overdraft limits apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.